Good morning. Today is Thursday, September 9th, 2021. Today is also Tzom Gedalia, the fast day concerning the assassination of Gedalia. So let's try to set the mood for what we want Yom Kippur to be. A mood that is perhaps, hopefully, different from what we felt on Yom Kippur in previous years. And what I'd like to share with you is based on a fascinating essay by Ari Shishler. And it appeared in Times of Israel a couple of weeks ago. And let's start with a thought experiment. Imagine that you are a marriage counselor and a woman, a wife, comes into your office for a session and she is sharing the following experience with you. She's talking about problems that she and her husband are having. And she says, I feel terrible. Sometimes I just say the wrong things to my husband or I do something that upsets him and then he gets angry and he expects me to apologize. All right. Well, if you're a counselor, you've heard this many times before. Sometimes couples argue. They get on each other's nerves. It happens. Doesn't sound so terrible so far. Yes, but when I mess up, he insists that I apologize in a specific way. And if I don't apologize in the specific way that he expects, then he stays angry. All right, that sounds like there's some kind of issue going on. Although maybe you just need to learn to to follow the language that speaks to him. All right. But she says, sure, but it's not only the language, because when I apologize for what I did, he expects me to be sincere and to show emotion whenever I say that I'm sorry. All right. Well, that seems to be going a little bit far. That's a little strange. And that's not all. The worst of it is, every time I apologize, he insists that I also recount all the previous times that I upset him. Now, that's a red flag. That sounds like a couple that is having some real difficulties, a husband that is really acting in a not positive manner. And she adds, until I apologize, he freezes my credit card. Time for the divorce lawyers. I mean, that sounds like abuse. That sounds like domestic abuse. And now think for a moment. Isn't that how we sometimes perceive God treating us? We're in this season of repentance. So it is time for us to apologize to God for the sins that we've done with tears using a specific formula, al 
Ashamnu, Bogadnu, Gozalnu. We have a specific text that we are to follow. And we have to say every one of these things. We have to say and repeat and confess everything that we've ever done wrong, not only recently, but that we've ever done wrong. And if we don't do it, he's going to cut our blessings for the new year. I think any person thinking intelligently about that relationship would conclude that that is not a relationship worth keeping. And the fact is that it's very sad when people approach Yom Kippur with dread. Many people feel the way they look at Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is God opens that book. He's going to find all kinds of terrible things that we did. And he's going to cancel us. He's going to sever the relationship. And there's no excuses. I mean, we did it. We know we did it. He knows we did it. And the only way out of it is to apologize and to beg for mercy. And if you translate what's going on between us and God, between now and Yom Kippur, if you translate it that into the terms of a spousal relationship with God, you would think that we, Jews, we're an abused wife. Or... Staying for a moment with the spousal relationship paradigm, we could look at it differently. And the problem with being able to look at it differently is all too often we don't see how we can break this cycle. Because, let's for a moment just be honest with each other, among ourselves. What's the point of appearing to be remorseful for behavior that we're pretty certain we're going to repeat. We're going to say before God that we confess our sin of Lashon Hara and we commit never to do it again. Okay, I don't want to speak about anybody else. I don't know if I'm going to be able to live up to the promise that I am going to make on Yom Kippur, I'm going to make this promise never to repeat Lashon Hara again after Yom Kippur. But, but am I going to live up to it? What does my track record show about my ability to keep that promise never to return to those sins? And so if I'm not really sure that I'm going to be able to change the habit, the bad actions permanently, why do I keep playing this game? Just come before God. God, I'm so sorry to disappoint you. Ashamnu, Bogadnu. And you know what? Let's be honest. I will probably disappoint you again next year. Sounds kind of bleak. 
But what if there's another way to look at it? And what if the other way to look at it actually comes from borrowing an idea of how to help our marriages, our relationships work out better? So here's some advice that comes from Dr. John Gottman. Dr. John Gottman is an expert on helping couples be able to improve their relationship. And this applies between husbands and wives, between partners, between friends. And it also applies in the relationship between God and the Jewish people. And it goes like this. There is one key indicator in a couple's chance to save a rocky marriage. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how bitter the recriminations are, most couples can work through the problem back to health, back to a healthy and happy relationship. Because at the moment when partners are at each other's throats and things seem very, very contentious and difficult to fix, there is one question to ask. One critical question. And this will determine if reconciliation is possible or God forbid not. And the question is very simple. To a couple in the throes of this angst and anger and recrimination, ask the following question. What attracted each of you to each other in the first place? Now, you'll get a lot of different answers depending on the situation, depending on the couple. If you, if you get an answer that's something like, well, I was young and foolish. Or I really think I should have backed out. That's a couple that's in trouble. That's a couple that it does not look like there is hope for that couple. But as long as the couple is able to come up with answers, what attracted you to each other in the first place? As long as they're able to somehow remember some good memories of when they were dating, of when their courtship was taking place, something about their character that attracted them at the very beginning of the marriage, there is hope. It's one key question. And the answer to that question can very likely determine whether reconciliation is, help, is possible. And what, here's what I want you to do. I'm giving you some homework over Yom Kippur. As we daven on Yom Kippur, as we go through the mocks or the Yom Kippur prayers, notice how many times and notice all the different ways in which we do this on Yom Kippur. We remind God of the good marriage, the good memories of our early relationship and the good qualities of our character that we see in each other. And just to add to this, to complement this, 
a little nostalgia helps. To remember, we were so in love so long ago. At one point, maybe it's a long time since, but at one point we were so in love with each other. We, we loved him and he loved us. She loved me and she loved us. Let's remember a time when that love was strong. When you can do that, when a couple can do that, there's something to build on. It doesn't mean the problem is not serious. The problem is serious. It means there is something to build on. And that is precisely what we were doing, what we are doing all through Yom Kippur. Again, here's homework for Yom Kippur. As you're going through the davening, notice how many times, how frequently, and in how many different ways we invoke nostalgia. We talk about, remember the time, God, when we were so much in love. Remember, God, when you were so happy with what we did. Remember, we should remember when you, God, were so good to us. Remember how it was at the beginning. Remember the reasons you had for choosing us. Remember the reasons that we had for believing in you. And that is why we make another effort at reconciliation on Yom Kippur because we have that. We may at this moment feel that we are in a difficult place in our relationship because of what we have done, because of how we feel God has treated us. But here's the key. And this key turns Yom Kippur around. It turns it around into an exercise of looking for that which makes our reconciliation possible. This time of year leading up to Yom Kippur, and especially on Yom Kippur itself, it's not about trying to fit ourselves into being the exact perfect spouse that our overbearing know-it-all, perfect spouse wants us to be. That's not going to happen. This is the time to remind ourselves of why we and God fell in love over 3,000 years ago. It's time to recall that we have always cared deeply for each other even during turbulent times. And we recall some of the most difficult times and specifically talk about how we were able to maintain the relationship in those most difficult and painful times. And that's when we promise that we care enough about each other to try a little harder. And that's what we pledge on Yom Kippur. That's what we achieve on Yom Kippur, just like any healthy couple would do. Look for the reasons for the love. Look for what we found as good character on both sides. Look for the reasons that we had to trust and to be grateful and to have been forgiven and to have stuck with each other through difficulty. Look at all those times, in a sense, all of Yom Kippur is a review of all of those times. 
both in Jewish history and within our own individual lives. That's the mood we need to strive for on Yom Kippur, reminding ourselves and reminding God of why we love each other, what we love about each other, how we stick with each other even when times are difficult. And let's give it another chance. My friends, I want to wish you a great day. I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.